I don't know how we talk about writing a systematic theology in 10 minutes, but no, uh, I think you're right. we'll, we'll do what we can do here. I'll do an introduction, and then we will jump right in. Okay. Make sure to keep listening after the program to find out how to receive a free MP3 download from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Our guest today is the J.D. Trimble Professor of Systematic Theology and Philosophy at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. He is the author of numerous books, including a recent book, Systematic Theology, An Introduction to Christian Belief. And that's what we're going to discuss with him today, writing a systematic theology. Professor John Frame, it is a delight to welcome you. Good to be with you, Jonathan, and with your audience. Now, this is a, was an ambitious project. Writing a systematic theology, I would imagine, always is. How did this project originate in, in your own mind? Or, in other words, what was it that made you want to add another systematic theology to the, to the mix? <laughs> well, I, I think that most people who teach systematic theology, they uh, have in the back of their minds the dream that maybe they could write uh, a systematic theology, because a systematic theology is a kind of uh, summation of everything, you know, it's a great big thick book, and uh, it sits on people's shelves, and people look at it for reference, and so on and so forth, so there, to be very honest, there's a little bit of an ego trip here, but uh, what the way it happened to me was that I was teaching uh, courses in the doctrine of God, and the doctrine of man, and that's all systematic theology, and uh, I felt that I needed uh, better textbooks for my students, uh, and I was giving lectures on uh, all these things and uh, having ideas that I thought might be good written down so that more people could uh, benefit from them. Uh, my students were telling me that some of my ideas were helpful to them, so I wanted to give other people an opportunity to uh, uh, to hear them and to give me feedback and so on and so forth. So uh, I, I wrote this uh, uh, Theology of Lordship series, as I called it, the uh, doctrine of the knowledge of God, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of the Christian life, and the doctrine of the Word of God, and the, those are great big thick volumes, and, and uh, the content of them is what we generally call systematics, but uh, then uh, I, people uh, gave me the opportunity to uh, condense these big books into something a little shorter and put it all in one volume. So uh, uh, we got this uh, book, which I called Systematic Theology. It's a 1,200-page uh, huge uh, book that uh, around here we call it the White Whale. And uh, <laughs> the, the students uh, could use it as a regular textbook for the courses that I, uh, that I teach. So what makes a good systematic theology? Well, everybody has a different idea about that. On the first chapter of my book, I 
the first chapter is called What is Theology? And I present there uh, my general idea of what theology is or perhaps what theology ought to be. Uh, I define theology as the application of Scripture uh, to uh, all areas of human life. And uh, I know that's pretty broad, but... Uh, of course, that includes most of what has been called systematic theology through the history of the discipline. And uh, what, I've, what I've tried to do, you know, in, in systematic theology, uh, uh, systematic theologies are, are of many types. I think many of them focus on uh, the history of uh, theology, uh, focusing on what Calvin said and what Luther said and and what uh, Augustine said and uh, all of that. And I think that's useful. I think that every seminary student, at least, should have a good grasp of the history of thought. But what I miss in a lot of these volumes is a close encounter of Scripture itself. That is to say, what I think systematics ought to be is a, is a book or an article that teaches students how to derive doctrine from the pages of the Bible itself. Obviously, the Bible is our primary standard. The confessions and creeds are secondary standards. But the most important priority is to learn how to use our primary standard I remember when I first came to seminary, uh, some of my friends said, well, you don't want to go to Westminster because Westminster will just uh, uh, thrust the system down your throat, you know. It'll tell you that you have to think like Calvin and like the Westminster Confession, and you won't really learn what the Bible says directly. And I went to Westminster nonetheless, and I studied systematic theology under John Murray, and John Murray uh, turned out to be entirely different from uh, what I was expecting from my friends. Uh, uh, John Murray went right to the Bible, and uh, when he was talking about justification, he, he'd take us through uh, Romans 3 through 5. He would, uh, uh, when he was talking about the sanctification, he would take us into Romans 6 and 7. When uh, uh, he was talking about the last days, he would go very meticulously through Matthew 24. And I, I think now different people need different things, but when I was a seminary student, that's what I needed. I needed to see just up close and meticulously what the Word of God actually said about these topics. And I decided right then that if I write a systematic theology, and unfortunately Professor Murray didn't get to write a systematic theology, although he wrote some, some very valuable articles and, and lectures, but uh, I decided that uh, if and when I got to write a systematic theology, it would be like that. It would be 
taking up uh, these questions and topics and and going right to the Bible, uh, right to those passages that discuss these topics and understanding those passages in the light of the rest of the Bible and uh, and, and setting them forth. So that was the goal that I had in uh, uh, writing the systematic theology. There are a lot of people who think that I didn't spend enough time in, in the history and uh, uh, and that's true. I didn't spend much time in that, as, at least as much as some of the other uh, great writers of systematics have done. But uh, I think I, I've done something that is uh, uh, kind of unique and something that every Christian needs to uh, have access to. You mentioned the influence that Professor Murray had on your own theological development, your own theological thinking. I'm wondering particularly as you've you've done all these works of systematic theology, are there particular teachers um, either wh- whom you met physically or, or whom you just encounter through through their writings who influenced you, uh, who influenced your, you talked about theological method, but also your your conclusions, your proportions? Uh, what Who were some of the big influences? Well, I wrote an essay in my uh uh, the so-called Festschrift that was given to me in 2009 uh, uh, called Speaking the Truth in Love. And there's an article in there that I wrote about uh, how my books originated and the, the various uh, influences that uh, came uh, to me. And uh, that includes some of my college teachers and some of my grad school teachers, but I keep going back to my seminary teachers. I keep going back to John Murray. I keep going back to Cornelius Van Til, because Van Til is the one who set forth the worldview that uh, I embraced, set forth uh, the Bible as a unique philosophical worldview that uh, uh, I have cultivated, and I bring that into everything I write. Uh, as a theologian, and uh, uh, Edmund Clowney, who taught me the importance of the uh, history of redemption, the uh, uh, the history that uh, by which uh, uh, the world was prepared for the coming of Christ, and by which Christ uh, came to uh, die for us and rise again, uh, and uh, just about and, and Meredith Klein taught me the importance of covenant. And uh, that led me to uh, put an emphasis on the lordship of God. Uh, You know, God is called Lord 7,000 times in the Bible, and many of those uh, ascriptions are are ascriptions of Christ. uh, So it seems to me to be uh, tremendously important just for the emphasis Scripture places on it to get clear on on what lordship means, and uh, uh, I, I've developed some some ideas there that I think uh, bring different uh, biblical emphases together, and I think uh, are helpful to uh, 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 people who uh, have not had my teaching directly in class. So uh, those are those are some of the some of the things and. Uh, I may have left somebody out, but uh, those are the ones that occur to me at the moment. You talked about the theological theme of the lordship of God, the lordship of Christ. Were there other theological themes that came to the forefront more noticeably 
as you studied and as you wrote? In other words, did you start to see some things as more dominant in the Bible than you had before when you when you were forced to to put together uh, this systematic theology? Well, there are a lot of things that are uh, dominant of the Scripture, and uh, of course various theologians have uh, uh, put uh, emphasis on, on various things, uh, uh, and uh, of course we, we can spend, uh, uh, you know, one theologian will say that uh, uh, love is the center of everything, and another one will say that hope is the center of everything, and uh, I think there's some truth in all of that, uh, because uh, the Bible is a big book. The Bible has a lot of different concepts in it. And, uh, the Bible uh, uh, has, uh, and, and all of those concepts are linked to all the other concepts. And so uh, it's possible to take uh, a number of things. I, I wouldn't say everything, but it's possible to take a number of biblical concepts and use them as uh, lenses by which to see the whole uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, when Jürgen Moltmann writes a book called The Theology of Hope, uh, he takes hope and makes that the center of everything, and and uh, I say, well, yeah, you can do that. That's a useful lens. It's good to see everything in relation to hope, but uh, certainly you can't pit hope against love or pit hope against uh, redemption or uh, pit hope against uh, uh, divine lordship or something. So uh, I, I think it's best to be a little bit loose with this idea of a central concept. Uh, many concepts in the Bible can be central, but uh, it kept coming back to me uh, that the uh, uh, you know, God God is the Lord. God comes to, to Moses in the burning bush, and Moses asks him who he is, and he says, well, I am Yahweh, and after, and very mysterious, and then after that, the uh, English Bible uh, regularly puts Yahweh into the form of lordship, Lord, I am the Lord, and uh, so our task as we read through the Bible is to find out uh, who, what it means to say that God is the Lord. And, and the Old Testament, uh, uh, you know, the uh, major commandment is to recognize the lordship of God. And in the New Testament, it's uh, uh, to recognize what it means to say Jesus is Lord, uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10. So uh, it seems to me the uh, important theological task is to understand uh, what lordship means and what what is it that God does uh, as the Lord, and uh, so uh, and you can see hope and love and and, uh, and and redemption and Trinity and all the other theological concepts in relation to uh, that, and I think that gives you a pretty uh, a pretty good uh, overview of. Scripture it doesn't tell you everything, but uh, tells you uh, uh, the, the most important things that we need to know. My last question is this: I, I, I'm curious what writing a book like this uh, has done for you, as best you can tell, spiritually. You've taught systematic theology for for many many years. What? What is the teaching and, and writing of a systematic theology? How, does that, how has that affected 
or deepened your understanding of God or the Bible or, or your specifically your own Christian experience? Well, when you write a book like this, you uh, necessarily spend a lot of time in God's Word, and uh, uh, any time you spend in God's Word, uh, uh, you uh, if you don't rebel against it, if you don't uh, uh, turn aside from it, uh, it's a really edifying uh, exercise. You know, God has inspired the Bible that it might uh, uh, be in order to uh, godliness, and uh, so uh, you you read the Bible, and uh, it really is a blessing. Now, of course, when you're a theologian, you're not uh, immune from from Satan's temptation, and there are times when uh, even the Word of God can be just a big mountain of stuff that you have to get over. You have to finish your chapter on on. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit by next Wednesday, and uh, just becomes another task to perform. And uh, man, you just really have to pray to God that uh, uh, you won't just treat it like a task; that it will be a a, a blessing and an, an attempt to to bless the readers. Uh, so uh, it, uh, it gets you into the habit of that and. Uh, I'd say this uh, has developed in me, not just writing this particular book, but uh, all the other books that led up to it and all the lectures and teaching that's gone on for many years. Professor Frame, thank you so much for your time. The The, the title of, of your Systematic Theology, again, is Systematic Theology, an Introduction to Christian Belief. I would commend that to our listeners, and, and thank you for, for giving us your time today. Thank you, Jonathan. You've been listening to Theology on the Go, a podcast of placefortruth.org. Place for Truth wishes to be thoughtful and accessible and is based on the conviction that the gains of the Protestant Reformation retain their potency and ought to be maintained for the health of Christ's Church. Just for listening... We'd like to equip you with free resources. Visit placefortruth.org to find a link to those resources. And listen next time to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.